Hallelujah. Want to uh, share a message with you this evening that I've entitled Answer Quickly, and I'll explain what that means. Uh, <clears throat> because all of us can sometimes find ourselves in fiery tests and trials. Amen? Amen? It's part of life. You, you're not, what, how did that Hagen used to say it, Jenny? Life is not. Yeah. What? Flowering bed of roses. <laughs> flowery bed. No, flowery beds of ease. That too, he said that. He said that too. You were right, Reverend Cola. For flowery beds of roses, flowery beds of ease. Life is not always like that because we are not in heaven yet. <laughs> Amen. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it's light, understanding to our feet, lamp into our path. It's for the next step and it's for the long-term future. I thank you that it helps, Lord. Father, I'm under an assignment to share some things this evening, so I thank you for open hearts and receptive minds, that they, Lord, they, they, uh, they don't get distracted and think about other things, but they, they on the proverbial on the edge of their seats, Father, and they strain. We incline our ear unto thy word, and it shall be health unto all our flesh. Father, we incline. That means we strain forward. That means we lay hold of uh, the revelation of your word. We fully expect, quite frankly, Father, for the Holy Ghost to provide revelation knowledge tonight. Father, this is not, we don't come to church just to be, a, just to have a dog and pony show. We don't come just to see a charismatic minister or, or, or just to see our friends or even just to bring our tithes and offerings or serve. Father, fr quite frankly, we come because we are here for your word and we want our minds renewed and we want revelation from your word to flow into us tonight. So Lord, make my tongue that of a ready writer by the spirit, by the Holy Ghost, write what I say by the spirit, the word of God, write it and the revelation of it, the rhema of it, write it on their hearts. According to Hebrews 9, let it become real to them. Let it become a part of their hearts, part of their DNA, that they would lay hold of it and they would live it. And Lord, it will be, it'll be strong. They'll be stronger for it. They'll be better off because of it. Their life will become better and easier because of it. We thank you, Father. We frankly, quite frankly expect it, Lord. I expect revelation knowledge to flow. I'm not just asking half-heartedly. I'm asking fully expecting in Jesus' name. And I thank you and I praise you. Well, praise the Lord. I won't, I'm not trying to be negative, but I have to say this in order to explain what I need to share tonight. So, you know, I won't get into the specifics because we're on live stream, but you know the assignment that's been arrayed against us in the last few months that we are in the process of dealing with. Praise God. Well, a new one showed up yesterday. Uh, not as bad, but almost as bad. And totally unrelated, nothing to do with that other situation. And uh, somebody from years and years, if I said the name, most of you wouldn't even know who I'm talking about. They were a former member of the church years ago. And they just decided, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with people, but they just haven't talked to that person in years. And I guess they just decided that they wanted to lie about me. So they called Pastor Nancy and started lying about me. Went to the police, started lying about me. Have to go in on Friday to the police station to give a report and to provide proof that what they're saying is completely asinine and just crazy, which I'll do, and the Lord is with us. Praise God. And Pastor Nancy refused to even speak to them. She had her, one of her associate pastors speak to them. And the Lord de dealt with her and said, don't even, don't even get on the phone with them. They're, 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 they're the lying spirit in their mouth to attack Pastor Craig. Don't even talk to them. And, but I, so I, I kind of... <laughs> 
So yesterday I said, Lord, I said, what the heck is going on? I said, this is supposed to be Hebron. We're supposed to be like in a good place here. And just everywhere I turn, there's somebody that's trying to cause problems and mischief and lies. And he took me to 1 Corinthians 16:9, which I think you know, but re- turn with me anyway. Uh, many times he'll answer you with the word. 1 Corinthians, many times he'll just speak to your heart, but it has to be in line with the word. Otherwise, you're not hearing him right. But uh, 1 Corinthians chapter... 16 and verse 9. Would you just turn there for a quick second? And don't, don't, I don't say that for you to feel sorry or sad or something because we have, this is a note of victory. This is not a, I have to start with that, but that's why we start with that. And we build up from there. Praise God. But 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. <laughs> the word great in the Greek means Mega. There is a very large door, and the word effectual is the Greek word energes, which is where we get the English word energize, meaning this, uh, this door is not just wide and large, but there's an energy, there's, an in- there's a power, there's a, there's a force, there's something from God's spirit that is energizing this situation. In other words, we've just had an open door, and we're feeling full of power, and the devil hates that. So he reposes you with many adversaries. And that word adversary simply means one that stands opposite you to stop you from proceeding. That's what they're trying to do, stop us from proceeding. So I said, Lord, I don't understand. I know it's a silly thing to say, but I said, Lord, what is going on here? I mean, I don't understand this. And he quoted that, he reminded me of that verse. He quoted it to me and he said, son, you've just come into a new door. Why are you surprised? Well, we shouldn't be surprised, but we do. We get surprised. We feel emotions. And, I, and he said, but he corrected me. He said, I'm not saying that you can't feel emotions, but you shouldn't be surprised because my word already told you to expect this. <laughs> if a great door and effectual is open unto me and there are many. In other words, the adversaries are associated with the door. That means when you go through a door, you enter into a new room. Once you're into the room, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be attacks, but there's something extra that happens at the beginning of a season. Right. Because the devil's trying to get you to go back through that door because you can't handle the heat in the kitchen. Right. Do you understand? Yes. Now, let me read it to you from the Amplified Version. For a wide door of opportunity for effectual service has opened to me, and there are and there, there a, a great and promising door, and there are many adversaries. Let me read it to you from the New Living Translation because these, these different translations say it just a little bit differently. And it says, uh, <clears throat> there is a wide open door for a great work here, although many oppose me. Many oppose me. And lastly, the Young's Literal. And it says, uh, for a door to me has been opened, great and effectual, and withstanders are many. Yeah, that's right. Withstanders are many. Praise God. So I said, well, okay, there's my answer, Father. I said, I understand that. But uh, I'll be honest. So let me just say this. If you didn't really believe, which I'm sure you do, but if, if anybody doubted that we're just making this up about Hebron, that this is just whatever, this is just something because I ran out of sermons, so I had to come up with something new. If anybody thinks that, uh, you may not believe that, but the, the attacks alone yeah. prove yes. we are entering, we have entered a new season. Because there's always been attacks, but 
there's never been an intensity in since we started the church. There's never been an, well, there's been times where it's been intense, but there's never been quite something this intense and this compounded and this many at the same time and this much darkness. I've never felt it in 11 years. Not, not, uh, not in about this local church. Sometimes when I travel, it's a different kind of darkness. It's a different kind of an attack, but I'm talking about this promise of life local church. Why? Because this season, Reverend Taylor, of Hebron is greater than the season of the caves of Adullam. And it's greater than Ziglag. And, and so we are at the greatest place in the realm of the spirit may not be the, well, we're also at the greatest place of numbers. We're at the greatest place of money. We're at the greatest place of favor. We're at the greatest place of everywhere, to be honest with you, across the board. But we're, but the, we're at the greatest place in the realm of the spirit, more importantly than we've ever been before. We, 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 there's something that's on the horizon. It's coming. And so their enemy knows that he knows to a certain measure. He doesn't know everything, but he has a measure. Because the Bible says if he had known what Jesus was going to accomplish, he wouldn't have killed him. So he doesn't know any, he doesn't know everything. I shouldn't say he wouldn't have killed him because he didn't kill him. But he wouldn't have stirred up the people to try to attack him because nobody killed Jesus. He gave himself. But, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, he doesn't know everything because if he knew that, he, the Bible says he wouldn't have proceeded with stirring up the crowd against the Lord. So he doesn't know everything, but he knows some things. He obviously knows enough because he knows when there's an open door. Because if he didn't know there was an open door, there wouldn't be any adversary. So he's not stupid. He is an adversary. He's a worthy adversary. He is a defeated adversary, but he pays attention to seasons in your life. And he pays attention to seasons in the ministry. And because you're part of the ministry, in fact, you are the ministry, pay attention to what I'm saying. Don't ex necessarily expect there to be problems, but I'm just saying, if, if, you're the, if there's an attack against the ministry, against me, that doesn't automatically mean there'll be one against you. But if there is, take heart, because it just shows that you're in the right place. I really mean that. There's a great energized wide mega door of opportunity and the devil understands uh, to a measure so he's trying to hinder. He's trying to discourage. He's trying to slow down. He's trying to stop forward progress. He can't but he tries. With that attack and with that attempt comes certain feelings of betrayal, certain feelings of treachery. It, it can hurt you. It can hurt your heart when people lie about you and make things up about you and try to defame you. That's why Jesus said, when people abuse you, when they accuse you falsely, when they despitefully use you, when they say all manner of evil against you, you know it's all manner of evil, but other people might believe it. But when he, didn't, he didn't even comment about that. He just said, when they speak all manner of evil against you, rejoice for your reward in heaven is great. In other words, we shouldn't really care about what people think. We should care about what God thinks. But when you're having a congregation and there's people, you know, that, that, that are submitted to you and that trust you, when things like, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics of yesterday because it doesn't warrant it, but like the previous situation, you have to sometimes talk about it because if people get wind of it from another source, they could lose confidence in you, thinking, why did the pastor try to hide this? How come he didn't come up and be honest and clear with us so we could pray and believe with him? The fact that he kept swept it under the rug shows... Anything you try to hide shows you're try, you're, something's wrong there. So sometimes people say you tell too much, Pastor Greg, and maybe I do, but I'd rather tell too much and be, and be transparent and be open because I've got nothing to hide than ever somebody say, you know, he tried, to, he tried to, he was sneaky. He tried to hide something here. Do you understand? So I said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. And he said, yes, you do know what's going on because 1 Corinthians 69 tells you what's going on. And if you ever doubted about Hebron, which I haven't, but these attacks prove it, son. 
Praise God. So, okay, uh, but I, I, you know me. I really don't care what anybody thinks, including you. <laughs> so I can preach this way because I really don't care what anybody thinks, including you. So, but I sometimes I'm transparent because I'm trying to help you with situations from my life. Because it's very easy for a preacher to act like everything's always a bed of flowering ease all the time, and it's not. It's not. So even though I know this, I know this First Corinthians verse, the emotions... The rejection, the, uh, the, the betrayal, the treachery, the Judasness quality. Do you understand? Because the last time I saw that person, we left on, we, they left the church, but on, we left on good terms. So to do something like this is so out of the blue and crazy and just ridiculous. Uh, and it's like a Judas. It's like a Judas. Jesus knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He knows it better than we do. <laughs> So, but that, that emotion, even though I know that we're in an affection door and I know all of that, that, that I know it as a theory, but it's still, I still, it took the wind out of me a little bit. I just, you know, and so there's a place I go. It's called my bed. <laughs> I name my bed, my bed is a name on the bottom. It says prayer. So I tell people I'm in prayer, <laughs> but I'm really just in bed, but I do pray in bed. So it is kind of true. But this previous situation, I shared a little bit on Sunday at the offering. That uh, This is back in a couple of few weeks ago now. Uh, but on one day, it, 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 the concern of it was so, and there's demons attached to it as well. So it's not just you. There's actually pressure on your mind from demonic forces. But it was so, I just kind of collapsed on my side of the bed. And, 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 I, and I just said, Lord, I, I, I almost can't breathe. I just, I don't know. I know, I'm, I know I'm not supposed to say that. I know all this faith stuff, but I just need your help right now. I, I feel like I can't even hardly breathe. The pressure is so much on my mind. It's banging on my mind. And that's when the word of the Lord came to me. And he said, look in Judges. Because I just read that and hadn't really paid much attention to it. And remember that verse, it says, and they fought, the stars of God fought from heaven in their assignments against Sisera. Yes. And then I opened that and I read it. And then he said, turn back to previous chapter four. And I read there until Deborah the prophetess says, hath not God delivered us? Because he has already, God hath delivered us. Do you not know this? Because he hath already gone out before you. In other words, question mark, how do we know God's already done it? Because he's gone out before us. And that revelation came into me. Angels have gone. God didn't speak to me necessarily in a major way, but it was revelation knowledge from that scripture. He did speak to me, but it wasn't like as strong as what I'm about to share with you. So it was of a lesser degree, but revelation knowledge came. Angels have gone forth. Angels are fighting against the enemies of God that are arrayed against us in the natural realm, just like those demon spirits worked with Sisera. And angels, have, and I'm telling you, such a peace came, Reverend Greg, and I just kind of lay down. I just kind of, like a big fish, I just kind of flopped down on the bed because I was tormented, but there was such a peace that came when he said, son, uh, you know, he was trying to say, get up. Remember, Deborah said, get up. Yeah. Don't you know it's already done? Angels have gone before you. That's my, that's my synopsis, but that's really what she's saying. God's gone before you. Angels have gone before you. Get up. It's already done, Barrett. Get up. It's already done. So in my heart, I got up, but I still kind of collapsed and went to sleep for two hours because that just helps refresh me. It really does. Some people, they, they do different things. They run. <laughs> You're crazy. Some people, they go to the gym. Some people, they eat. I don't. When I'm under that, I just sleep. You wake up, you feel better. 
Praise God. And then you don't put any weight on. Praise God. <laughs> but so that was, a, that was a help that God gave me a few weeks back about angels. Amen. But yesterday, with this new attack, and I know 1 Corinthians 69, I know it all, I know it all, but the emotions of it were, were heavy, and I could feel that pressure, same as two weeks ago. I could feel that it's like a darkness. I don't know how to describe it. That's why you need to pray sometimes for me. That's how you don't always have to wait for me to send out an email to say, please pray. Uh, if, you're, if you're led by the Spirit, the Holy Ghost will say pray. Because there's sometimes things going on that you don't know, and I could sure use that spiritual support at certain times. And, I, and, I, and I, so I went back to the same place. I went to my prayer place, my bed. And I sat down on the edge of the bed, and I was feeling that pressure same as it was two weeks ago. I was sitting in the same spot, same place, everything the same. It was like a deja vu experience. Same kind of pressure, same everything. And I, this time, I, I was so exhausted. The mental pressure of it makes you tired physically. I was so tired. I lay down and I, and I said, Lord, I'm just going to go to sleep. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe I'll wake up and all this will have gone away. I don't know which obviously is ridiculous. But I said, Lord, as I lay down, I said, Lord, I just, and I just started talking to the Lord and telling him how innocent I was. I just needed him to know, just in case he was believing that lie, which is such a stupid thing to think because God knows everything. But I don't know, I just felt like I just need to tell him that I'm innocent, which is so stupid. I know that's dumb. But I just, started, I just started telling him. I said, Lord, I'm telling you. I said, Pastor Nancy knows. And I said, I might need to call Brother Jerry about this now. And he, I'm going to have to go through it all with him. And I'm going to have to say I'm innocent because this is a lie. I'm innocent. And I said, I said, Lord, you know I'm innocent in this. You know this is devils. These are just demon spirits arrayed against me because of the open door of Hebron. And as I was saying innocent, I'm telling you, oh my God, God came into my bedroom. I am not making it up. I'm not exaggerating. The, 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 there was, the experience was so much deeper and larger and stronger than two weeks ago. It dwarfed the experience two weeks ago in terms of the presence of God and the way he spoke. Uh, he spoke before, but it was very light. Like, you know, he can talk to you very little on the inside, but you still, you can articulate the words. This was like, a, oh, this was like he was talking to me. Yeah. It was loud and it was strong and it, his presence accompanied it. There was an impartation I got. Yes. And, I, and I want to tell you what he said. Because, I mean, I didn't even have, I wrote it down for my notes. Maybe some years later I might forget, but I don't even have to write it down now because it's still ringing in my ears. And I, heard, and I was saying, Lord, I'm innocent. I want you to know I'm innocent on this. I'm not perfect, but I am innocent of what they're accusing me of. And the word of the Lord came to me, and this is what he said to me. He said these words, and he said it's strong. He said, because innocency was found in thee, Angels have been dispatched to stop the intended outcome of this attack. He said it so loud because innocency was found in thee. I'm just telling him I'm innocent. And it's like he, he's like he wanted me to know I know. Because he saw my heart was breaking. And he wanted me to know that he knew what the truth was. And he said innocency because innocency has been found in thee. Angels have been dispatched. Oh my God. To stop the intended outcome. That's how we phrased it. To stop 
the intended outcome of this attack. In other words, the attack holds an intended outcome. They have a goal to fulfill through this attack. And he said that intended outcome has been stopped. Angels have been released. And I knew that verse, he's quoting me part of the verse in Daniel. And so immediately I opened and I felt the Holy Ghost say, read it. So I opened up my Bible, read it with me. As an impartation came into me, I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was such a help to me. I want you to read it with me in the book of Daniel. Praise God, chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. This is, a, this is a victorious message. I'm not trying to roll you through the mud. That's not why you come to church to be burdened. I'm trying to encourage you. But I have to start with what the reality is or you don't understand. Daniel chapter 6 and verse... Uh, oh my God. Then the king arose 19 very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, God, innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And I read, now he just said, because innocency was found in thee, the angels have been dispatched to stop the intended outcome of this attack. So now I've read this verse, 22. And I'm refreshing my memory and my heart about Daniel and I'm imagining him in that den. I'm imagining him with those lions. Now, it won't waste time, but if you keep reading, you'll see later on the accusers got thrown in. But the accusers, which were multiple other chief magistrates, wasn't just one. It was a group of them and their wives and their children. So a small, realistic, conservative estimate were at least 20 people, most likely. 15 to 25 people, most likely, were thrown at once into the lion's den. And the Bible says the lions prevailed upon them and broke every single bone in their body before their bodies hit the floor. If you read it, that's what it says. It says all their bones. That means, you know, my cousin, you've heard the story when he was there out doing a game trail and that lioness hit him. And you think the lioness is just the lady getting the groceries in the lion pack. Because the daddy is always just sitting around roaring. But he is 6'3", and when that lioness hit him, he said it was like being hit by a, like by a car. Instantly dislocated his shoulder, broke his collarbone, broke his arm, and then it proceeded to chew off his nose, his ear, and took a 21 square inch bite out of his scalp, and he was dying. And those ladies put the, 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 the Land Rover in gear and, and rushed toward him and scared the lion off by almost running it over and rushed him. And he, I mean, just hanging by a thread, he almost died. He lost so much blood. I'm just saying one lioness with a 6'3 guy, he's much bigger than me, Instantly broke bones, collarbone, dislocated a shoulder. I mean, those lions, you have no, if you don't know how big a, a buffalo is and how heavy those buffaloes weigh, and you see those lions, the, the lions don't look very powerful because you're looking, but you know, remember, the size and the strength of those buffaloes are astonishing. Yes. 
So when you're seeing three or four lionesses on one of them, you understand how strong those buffaloes are. They're monsters. They're thousands of pounds. They're heavier than a van, those buffaloes. They're up to 4,000 pounds. That's why it takes those four lionesses. But one lioness against one person, there is no, there is no contest. They are, they are superior to us in their strength. So I'm just letting you know, can you imagine 15 to 20 people being thrown into a lion's den? And the lions jump upon them, and before they even hit the ground, every bone in their body is broken. It shows you how many lions there were. See, because we see it in the, ba- in, the, in the picture story Bible for children, and there's one mangy lion. Looks like he hasn't eaten in about six years. And he's got a smile on his face. And there's a little lady lion there and a man lion. And then Daniel's sitting there, and it's like they're kitty cats, and he's stroking them. That is not what it looked like. There were multiple lions to be able to kill that many people before they even hit the ground. <laughs> so I want you to know when Daniel gets thrown into that pit, obviously he's in the lion's den. I mean, he's in the, he's in the place of death. And the king had to do it because they tricked him. Remember, those guys tricked him. So he had to keep his word because the word of the king of the Medes and Persians cannot be withdrawn even unto death. And so he comes, but he knows he's innocent. And he says, because innocency was found in me, the Lord has sent his angel to shut the mouth. I know you've heard the story since you were a child, but I'm telling you something came into me yesterday afternoon when God's presence came into my bedroom and he said, because innocency was found in the angels have been dispatched to stop the intended outcome of this attack. And as I read this verse, the Holy Ghost started ministering to me and say, what was the intended outcome of that attack? They were trying to kill him. The intended outcome was that he would be lunch. And the angel stopped the intended outcome of the attack by shutting the mouths of the lions. That was, means more than one angel, like the picture book tells you, one angel. There was obviously dozens of angels. I don't know how many, maybe one per lion. I don't know how many lions there were. But there were a bunch of angels. Each one was holding a snout. Maybe they were each holding a snout. What, two hands? I don't know. We'll see it in heaven on Blu-ray. God has it all recorded for us to watch. That's where I'm going to be going. You're going to be looking at your mansion. I'm going to be going to the movie theater. As soon as I get there, I want to see David run. And I want to see how many angels were there and what they look like. I want to see what that stuff looks like. These are stories, but they happened. And I have a right to see it. Father, you hear me? I have a right. I'm going to the movie theater as soon as I arrive. I have a right to see it. And I'm sitting there reading this. The Lord's just spoken to me. His presence is in the room. Something physically, I could feel it. It went into my stomach. I felt something go inside me. And I said, rarely have I experienced something of this, of this dimension and magnitude. I have experienced it, but not, it doesn't happen very often to me. But it's like every ounce of that fear disappeared. When God shows up, that stuff, those demonic spirits that were present trying to harass, gone. That feeling, that atmosphere, instantly gone. That, that weakness I had instantly left. Strength came in. I sat up on the bed. I mean, God had just come to me and given me an answer. I opened my Bible and I read this story, the scripture, verse 22, about Daniel and about the angel. And I, he didn't say anything more, but I'm telling you there was a deeper, because of that impartation, a deeper revelation came into me about the, and a deeper, not just revelation, Reverend Greg, a deeper appreciation came into me for the ministry of angels. 
Remember Psalm 103 verse 20 says, they excel in strength, hearkening to the voice of his word and that do his commandments. So when God wants something done, he speaks, they listen, and they are the ones that actually go and execute what he says. So God said, deliver that boy, and the angels came. God didn't come in person and hold the mouth of the lion. He's got boys to do that for him called angels. God said, deliver him, and the angel came down and held the mouth of the lion. So our great appreciation is first to God, because it wasn't for God. He's the source. If it wasn't for him executing, saying a commandment, they have nothing to execute. So our appreciation is to God. But I had a deeper appreciation come into me for the ministry of these great beings that are assigned to the earth to help us. I don't know how to explain it to you. I really don't know how to explain it to you that not only there was still, even though that wonderful word from Judges, I mean, it's still burning in my heart, but there was still just this remnant of, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, you know, you got a twined rope and you cut it and, you, and it gets, you know, you keep cutting through it and now you're down to one last thread. It's just one thread, but it's still technically attached. And I just felt like even though I've been standing and I've been confessing and I've been standing and I've been confessing and I've been praising and I've been in joy and I've been doing all that I'm supposed to do, that felt, Jenny, like there was one tiny thread still about this previous situation that just wouldn't let me go. This concern, this dread, this dread, it's like a dread. And that's not right, but I've been doing everything I know to do. But in one fell swoop, Reverend Taylor, just one Five minutes with God. He severed that thread and that new rope that had just been formed got severed right through. And I feel, I I don't know how to describe, I feel so free. I feel so joyful. I feel, I feel like there's not an ounce of concern. And in my mind there should be, but I feel like there's not, I couldn't worry if I, if I wanted to, I felt like I couldn't. That's God. That's the anointing. That's, that's, uh, see, what I'm trying to teach you is do what you can do. Do your part. But sometimes you need a deluge of the anointing to help you. And if you'll be faithful and you won't quit, God will just show up one day in your room and whatever your faith is lacking and whatever your emotions are still not settled and whatever maybe you haven't done perfectly because we're not perfect no matter how hard we try, he'll just come up with it because he's so merciful and he's so kind. And it's, we're not perfect anyway, but he'll come with his help and his presence and he'll make up the difference. And I've done everything I know to do to sever that previous rope, but there was still one strand. I could feel it. And I'm trying and I'm laboring and I'm trying, but one, just his presence, Brother Greg, just his presence. It's just like fire. It just consumed it. But you see, if I didn't try, if I wasn't confessing, if I wasn't believing, if I wasn't praising, God probably wouldn't have shown up because he doesn't show up when you just quit. But I've been doing my part. Believe you me, my wife's been doing her part. But, you know, sometimes you can't control every outcome. But when God shows up, he makes up the difference. Praise God. And he came and he made up the difference for me. And he severed that last thread and he severed the entire new rope. And I'm telling you, there was such an appreciation that came into me for God, his mercy, and the help that angels are. And uh, they became more real to me. I don't quite know how to say it in English because they've always been real. But when he imparts something to you divinely, it's almost you can't describe it in English. But you just know there's a deeper knowing than you've ever had before. There's a deeper knowledge. There's a deeper assurance. There's just something you had more that you didn't have before he walked in the room. And he imparted something to me about angels, Jenny. I don't even know how to describe it, but I'm telling you, the the, the realization of their reality is so much more real to me. Mm -hmm. 
And the great appreciation for God dispatching them and for their ministry is so much more real to me. My God. Angels. For you, if you'll believe, will be dispatched to stop intended outcomes of attacks. My God. And so I said, well, Lord, I'm going to teach you something. So listen, this is important. And I said, well, Lord, you know what happened to those accusers, don't you, Father? I said, they died. And I said, so, Father, and I, and I was about to pray a prayer. And the Holy Ghost said, don't say it. Because I was about to pray, Father, kill them. You killed them before. Come to my aid. Show these punks that you mess with the anointing, you mess with you. Come to my aid. And the Holy Ghost said, don't pray it. And I said, Lord, why? You know, and I'm quoting him scriptures. And he, and he quoted me a scripture back. And he said, do you remember the sons of thunder? And he said, I told them you don't know what spirit you're of when you want people to be consumed and killed. That's not the spirit of God. So then I said, but Lord, how come Randy can do it? <laughs> With Ruth, Ruth Ward Heflin, the gold dust phenomenon. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, I told him to do that. I had already decided and I needed a voice piece. I needed a mouth of a prophet to release my instruction so it could come to pass in this realm. But he said he did not do that out of his own desire to see them dead. And he said, your desire is wrong. Because you're, 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 you're saying, Lord, show them that if they mess with you, they get, they get the rod. But what you're really saying is show them if they mess with me, they get the rod. I'm just saying we've got to be careful with our motives here. Jesus said, you, you call down fire on people, Zebedee and whatever, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, you're of the wrong spirit. The spirit of truth does not desire for people to be hurt. But the spirit of truth can come upon you if your heart is right and your motives are right. And if God has established a judgment to come and he needs your mouth to release it into this realm, God can tell you to say it, but, you gotta, but your heart has to be pure. So the Lord said to me, bless them. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, I know you've come in my room and you've helped me. And I know angels, but you're asking a lot now. And he quoted that verse to me. He said, what did I tell you? I said, bless those that despitefully use you. Bless those that lie about you. Bless those that speak more all manner of evil against you. Bless them. Doesn't the Bible say that? And he said, now, listen, listen, I'm teaching you something. He says, now, uh, if I were to tell you to pronounce judgment, then you have to do it. But I'm not telling you to do that. And you can't do that on your own. That's the wrong spirit. He said, but what I am telling you to do is bless them. And I knew I had to do it. God was like watching and waiting for me. It's not like, well, Lord, when I have my devotions tomorrow, we'll deal with this because our time is up. And I need to go to pick up the children now from school. You don't do that with God. You let the children wait at school. And, it, and, and, and I did. I did it, Reverend Taylor. And I said, Father, and I named the person. And I said, Father, I bless that person. 
You told me that when they despitefully use me and speak all manner of lies against me, I, I, I bless them with my words. Now, Lord, I ask, you to, I ask you to help them that destruction would not come to them. And I keep my heart by my words right toward them. And then I heard him say, uh, and what about the previous situation, son? I mean, I'm telling you, God can come into your room and help you, but he'll also deal with you about stuff. It's not all just, you know, I got angels and there's Jesus and glory and all the fear and dread's gone. He, he, he comes in a full package. So what about the other situation? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I just, I sat there and I, I grit my teeth and I, and I said that prayer, I'm willing to be made willing. Because I'm not willing. I'm not willing. They're Judases. I'm not willing. And I said, Lord, and I named the person. I bless them. I bless them with my words. Help them that judgment would not fall upon them. I want their life to go well. I don't want them to be hurt. I said, I keep my heart right by my words. Amen. And I'm telling you, something changed. Yeah. When I said it the second about the second other situation, some, I don't know, something just... Yeah, free so something left. Yeah. Yeah. Something left. And then the Lord said to me later, he said, you want to know why there was that thread? Remember I said the thread? Because you have been standing and speaking and believing and doing everything you teach in your demonology course. Would you want to know why there was that thread? I said, yes, Lord. He said, because you hadn't blessed them. Oh. The Bible says you have to forgive in order for God to move on your behalf. And my faith and authority in commanding and releasing angels and doing all that stuff had taken me almost to the edge of full victory. But because I couldn't release that in my heart because of the deep hurt and betrayal, the Judasness of it, that's why there was that thread. I'm trying to teach you something. You got to forgive people. And you don't have to feel it. Because I'm telling you, I'm like, no, I will not do that, Lord. I don't feel any emotions, but I can choose by my will and by faith to say, I forgive them, I bless them, and I keep my heart right toward them. I can choose to do it. And if you don't, you can make all the confessions you want till the cows come home. There'll always be a thread left to harass you and to hurt you as an open door for the enemy to have one tiny crack to try to come in because forgiveness seals that door. I'm telling you, it's powerful. So not only did I get free, and not only did I get a deeper revelation about angels and, and a deeper appreciation for God and how they work in our life, but he took away all that nonsense and, and dealt with all that, that darkness and helped me forgive and taught me a lesson out of it. And I just thought, Lord, I'm full. I have just eaten a spiritual meal. You've taught me so much. You've helped me so much. And I, I, I was so tired before, but it was like there was so much energy in me. Because when God comes, he'll fill you with physical energy. And I just got up and I couldn't, I just couldn't sleep. I just, I got up and I just started laughing. And, and, I, and I've never really done it like this before, but I was so overjoyed and so relieved. 
I kind of laughed and cried at the same time, and I've never really done that before. Have you ever done that before? Where you're, like, at one, you're kind of crying because of relief, and then you're laughing, and, and, the, and the sound kind of sounds the same. <laughs> To the casual ear, they wouldn't know if you were laughing or crying, and you don't even know what you're doing because for one second you know you're laughing, and the next second you're crying, and then you're laughing, and then you're crying. But I just, I just, I just let it all out, and then there's a, there's, a, there's just sometimes that's good. Pastor Nancy says many times she'll weep before the Lord. It just it releases things, and so I just did that, and I and I said, okay, Lord, you've you've helped me. Angels have been dispatched. This problem is as good as done. This new problem is as good as done. Angels are working for me. They're working against Sisera. They're working for me. They're holding mouths of lions shut. I'm telling you, I'm empowered by this. And then Lord, not only that, but you've taught me a lesson about the thread and about forgiveness Thank you for that. I appreciate that so much. You've really helped me, Lord. I'm so ready to go. So I got up and I got ready to leave the bedroom and I heard the Lord say, sit down, I'm not finished. I'm telling you, he talks that way to me, especially when he comes in his presence like that. I said, Lord, we've had a very good session. We've accomplished a lot in this session. I don't think we need any more right now. In fact, I'm so euphoric. I don't want any more because if there's any more correction, I don't know if I can take that because I've already blessed them. So just leave me alone. Let me go. Let my people go. And he said, I want you to read the next verse, son. So I looked down. I hadn't read verse 23. I'd only read verse 22. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commended that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And that verse, that last phrase jumped off the page at me. He believed in his God. He did not get thrown in there saying, I don't know what's going to happen, God, if it be thy will. They would have killed him. He got thrown in there saying, I'm innocent. And Father, I believe you. I fully expect you to deliver me. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just know I'm not going to die. And they threw him in there with that kind of attitude. He believed God. And then the Lord started talking to me on another area. Remember, we're talking about angels. We're talking about the thread of forgiveness. And then he started showing me a third lesson, and I'll end with this. He started showing me a third thing, and he says, now, now I, want, I want to read you how he said it to me, because it really, it, it, it will be better if I just quote you exactly how he said it to me. He said this, you are believing, and you have been speaking, and the angels have been dispatched, but you are not being as skillful as you should with your believing. I said, Lord, what do you mean? I know you have to believe in order to be delivered. You have to release your faith. Daniel obviously did, and he was delivered. And I said, Lord, you know that I've been believing. You've just told me that, but you know that I have because all the way through this situation, I've been confessing and I've been standing and I've been releasing those angels without any emotions and still with that feeling of dread and fear. And what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And, And then he gives me the word about Sisera and those angels, and that really stabilized me. 
But I'm still releasing my faith after that. And even coming into yesterday, hearing that report and talking to the police on the phone yesterday and all of that kind of stuff and the, the shaking. And then she immediately I said, no, Lord, I, I, I stand in faith. I believe I don't have any emotions. I'm shaking inside, but I'm still saying the right words. Lord, I believe in faith. I thank you for it. I'm free. I'm delivered. I'm delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. I release those angels. I release those angels like they fought against Sisera. You're going to fight for me. I've, I've done that, Reverend Greg. I've done my part. So he comes in and he imparts to me to help me about angels and about Daniel. And he helps me with the forgiveness issue. But I've already done the believing part. So why are you correcting me about the believing part? I've already done it. I have released my faith. So why are you telling me I'm not being as skillful as I should be or as I could have been in my believing when it comes to deliverance? And I, so I, I was troubled by that. And I said, Lord, I don't know, where, I don't know what you're saying because I've done everything I know to do. I've done it. Just because I don't feel anything, I don't need feelings, I've done it. So how can I improve? He said, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I did. So could you turn back three chapters to Daniel chapter 3? And he showed me something here that I've never quite seen before. And I hope it'll help you as much as it's helped me. Mm-mm-mm. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Shadrach and Benny. Remember Veggie Tales? Shadrach and Benny. <coughs> Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now if you be ready that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down and worship the image which I've made well. If you do it, well. In other words, good. Everything's going to be okay. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now this is, now this is the devil. This statement is Satan himself. Speaking through. Now, I don't, I'm not saying he possessed him because he's only ever possessed Judas and he'll possess the Antichrist. But I'm saying this is from hell itself, this next, Satan, this, this next sentence. And this is what the devil will say to you. Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? When the cancer report comes, a thought will come to you and say, who is that? It's a mocking thought. It's the devil standing on his soapbox saying, I got you now. I got you and you can't escape. Who is that God that will deliver you out of my hand? What an arrogance to stand before the holy God of heaven and stand before his child and say, who is that God that can deliver you? I almost like I am so powerful. I am so magnificent. I am so all, all powerful that even your God can't help you. And that's what the devil says because he wants people to believe that he is all-powerful and he's not. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? And really, that's where that that dread, that fear, that's what it was saying to me. You're standing, you're doing all this stuff, but you're not, it's not going to work, Craig. And then you're going to be embarrassed and then this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And see all these thoughts, these foul imaginations from hell start to come about what if and, 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 and eventualities that are not right. Because what's he saying? God won't deliver you. I got you now, boy. 
Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? I want you to notice something. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And, his, and then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury. And his form of his visage, his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and he spoke and commanded that you'd eat the furnace seven times more. The mightiest men bind them and cast them in, and you know the story. Now, there has been a misunderstanding of this scripture. It took Pastor Nancy to straighten my theology out on this years ago. I've since heard Brother Keith and other ministers talk about it the same way as her. But she helped me understand this because the way people read this is not scripturally accurate because of the, because they're not, it is written right, but people are not paying attention to a comma. Yeah. One comma changes the entire meaning. Look at verse 17. This is how people read it. If it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire, furnace, he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. That's not what it says. Nope. It doesn't say, if it be so, that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. It doesn't say that. It says, if it be so, pause. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us. That is a to totally different take on that scripture. And I've always heard it preached without the comma. And without the comma, it's a sentence of doubt. One comma turns it from doubt to faith. And religious people take the comma out. But there's a comma there. What, is they, what are they saying? The king said, if you do this, all is well. If you don't do this, the same hour, I'm going to burn you. Yeah. Yeah. And what they are, there is no thought to the answer to be given to that question, O king. In other words, we don't even think about it. No. If it be so, if what be so, if what you've said, you actually do, if you do throw us into the fire if you try to hurt us. If it be so, according to your word, then our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and will deliver us. You see that? He is able, in other words, he can and he will. That's faith. Yes, he is. But if not, not, it's not saying, but if he doesn't deliver us. No. You've got to understand the context of how it's written. If it be so, you're going to throw us in. If you keep your word, God can and will. But if not, if you don't throw us in, if you decide to be merciful, if you decide to back down, if it's not so, be it known unto thee, O king, we will still not serve your gods. I mean, this is the ultimate insult. If you do what you say, God can and God will. And if you change your mind, no, we still won't listen to you. 
That's why he got so angry. They had deeply insulted his, his power. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? And they've answered, I'll tell you who that God is. If you do what you said, he can and he will. And if you change your mind, he, we won't bow no matter what you do. Suck on that, Nebby. <laughs> Try that on for size, Nebs. And he had just said, who is that God? And they just said, I'll show you who that God is. And he said, Wah! and he freaks out. His faith changes. Demons take over him. That lovely lady in the white outfit, so pretty. Six foot, beautiful. And I'm my turn to walk with doctor. And we're going in Calgary. And he comes to her. We're walking this way. And he lays his hands on her. And her face turned. I, I've never seen a human face before or since turn like that. She was beautiful. She looked like a dog. She turned her whole face dark, like physically her face turned dark and her countenance, her features changed. And she started barking like a dog and kind of tried to jump on doctor and went ah! like this. And I went ah! like that. Because she freaked me out so much. And doctor kind of looked at me like, if you can't run with the big dogs, buddy, stay on the porch. I was so embarrassed. My one opportunity to show the man of God that I'm strong. He kind of jerked around and looked at me and grabbed her. I said, and I mean, he was hard. He was hard. I thought he could break her neck. He was going so hard. He grabbed her by the ears, man. And he, I said, come out of her in Jesus' name. And he threw her down on the ground. I'm just looking at her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That devil came out. When she got up, she was pretty again. But you better have the anointing before you grab somebody by the ears and shake their rattle and roll them. Because they could sue you. Help me, Jesus. But I saw that lady's visage change. Demons took over that king. <laughs> now, you hear this wonderful message? I said, Lord, what are you showing me here? And he said, now you've been taught, listen closely and I'll help you. God will help you. He said, you've been taught to answer it. Remember Pastor Angie wrote a book, she was preaching on that. I said, yes, I've been taught to answer it. And by the way, Lord, I, 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 just in case you weren't aware, I have been answering it. So how am I supposed to get more skillful than this? Because I've been doing that. The Bible says they answered. Did you notice that? But I said, Lord, I've been answering. And he showed me something, Jenny, I've never seen before. There's so much more that we don't know. Look what, look what he, look, read it one more time. Hallelujah. Verse 16, Shadrach and Benny answered and said to the king, O Nebi, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They answered. Do you understand? But they answered, when they answered, they actually said a phrase. We are not careful to answer. We are answering, but we are not careful to answer you. Now that word careful is an interesting word, and it means to be ready. It's readiness in the Hebrew. In other words, we answer you with quick readiness. Yeah. Means to be ready with an answer. In other words, there was not one ounce of hesitation. Yeah. And God spoke something to me. He said, I could take the quote, 
case I make royalties off it, but this is his quote, but I'm going to put my name on it. That's what he said to me. Simple. Son, there is no hesitation in faith. There is no hesitation in faith. What were they saying? King! It's one thing to answer. We've all been taught to answer. But you can answer it. How you answer it affects a lot. Shows, reveals a lot. You can answer, but if you answer hesitantly, if you answer weakly, shows that you're, you may have faith, but your faith is low. Or how God said it to me, you are in faith, but you're not skillful. Because when you're skillful with your faith, you answer quickly. That's why we're called this message, answering quickly. And what did he say? Oh, king. They answered the king and said, oh, king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. What are they saying? There is no thought to be given to what the answer to your question is. There is no thought to be given. There is no time that it takes. There is no hesitation. We don't have to have a powwow. We don't have to have a confo. We don't have to think about it. There is no question to be given. No thought, no hesitation to be given to the answer to that question. Did you notice how they jumped? That means they were ready. If you do it, he's able and he will. Oh, that just stokes that guy's fire. He's so angry. He just insulted their God. Who is that God? I'll tell you. There's no question. There's no thought. There's no hesitation. If you try it, just bring it. Bring it. If you try it, he can and he will. And if you change your mind, we're still not bowing. Take that. That's the spirit of faith that was on them. And that spirit of faith so enraged the, the demon king. And it will, arrange, it will enrage demons around you. People that are controlled by demons hate this. Religious people, that's why they, none of you are religious. Well, some of you may be a little bit of thread that you have to get rid of. But most of you aren't religious in this church because you couldn't stand it. Because this kind of spirit of faith preaching would drive you out the door. Religious people can't take this kind of preaching. Because it, there's nothing but victory. But religious people always like to have a back door of defeat. Just in case it doesn't work, then I can blame God or I can blame the pastor. But the spirit of faith person, the believer, the one who's skillful in believing says, I don't even have to think about the answer. If you try it, he can and he will. And if you don't, I'm not buying. And I bet you they were walking toward him as they said that. Bring it. But that spirit of faith, they weren't going, <laughs> I don't have my will. Shad, I don't have my will. I know, Betty, I don't have mine either. Oh, what's going to happen? They weren't doing that. I believe they were going, glory to God. Glory to God. I feel sorry for you, Mr. Muscle-bound guy. I feel sorry for you. You're about to die. I'm not. And the heat slew the mighty men. And the king says, did I not throw three? Why is there four? And one likened unto the Son of God. Not only do we know the interpretation, the way people read it without a comma is a lack of faith. But forget about that. Just Bible principles alone. 
You can't say that they were saying, if God wants to do it, he will. And if he doesn't, he won't. But no matter what happens, we won't serve you. You can't say that they were saying that because that's not faith. And you've got to have faith for God to deliver you. Because we just read in chapter 6, God delivered him because he believed in his God. And if you read Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, it says they put to flight the armies of the aliens because of their believing. They quenched the power of fire because of their believing. You read that, it's all about they had faith which is why they overcame. So you can't take the entire Bible says you've got to have faith to be delivered. And then this one lone story, you can't pull that out and go, hold on, the whole Bible is wrong because Shadrach and Benny didn't have faith. They did because you can take it in the context of the whole council of scripture, plus you forgot the comma. Because yeah. if you read it with the comma, it's a faith statement. Without the comma, it's a doubt statement. If God can do it. No, no, no. They said, if you do it, our God can and he will. And if you don't, just know we ain't bowing. In other words, I got you. This is checkmate, buddy. There's nothing you can do to hurt me. If you proceed, God will show up. And if you don't proceed, I walk out with my head held high. That's total victory. Like I preached about Samson last Wednesday, nothing but victory. Yeah. Nothing but victory. That's all I see, nothing but victory. This is the, the victory that overcometh the world. And everything in the world, including the Nebuchadnezzars you face. Even our faith, our believing, is the victory that overcomes the Nebuchadnezzar. So we know they had to have, they had victory. They had to have faith. They couldn't not have faith because victory would not have come. Daniel had to have faith. He had to believe as God, otherwise victory would not have come. Faith is the cause of the victory. Anytime you see somebody in victory, you know that they're in faith. But you can be in faith yet unskillful because you're hesitant and you're questioning and you're talking quietly. But if you're skillful, in other words, God was telling me, son, you've had faith. You've been doing this. But I'm trying to take you higher. So he took me higher in my forgiveness walk. But he also took me higher in my expression of faith walk. Because if you're truly in faith, there's no hesitation. You don't have to pause to think about what the answer is. When that, when that pain comes, there's no thought to be given to that answer, devil. If you try to put this on me, God will kill it with his power. And I'm not going to talk against his word no matter what you do, devil. There's got to be a, it's got to be, just come out of you. If you're, if you're really in faith, it'll come out of you. When you're provoked, it'll just come out of you. You won't have to go and wonder back and think and, oh, I'm not sure that, that you can still be in faith, but it's not skillful. But when you are, when it comes out of you, it just jumps on you. That's skillfulness and faith. Kenneth Hagin, I'll end with this phrase. Help me so much. God told Kenneth Hagin years ago, you're making it too complicated, son, when people come to the altar. In other words, with all the talking, it's too complicated. The simple ones can't understand it. They just get mixed up with all these phrases and all this theological talk. And Brother Hagin was pretty simple to begin with. 
The Lord said, when you tell people to come up for healing, and that applies to any other area of our life. I'm just, the example God gave him was the altar for healing. God said to him, don't make it so complicated. When they come up to healing, just say one word to them. Simply expect. Just come up and expect God will heal you. That's it. Simple. Expect. Expect. When you believe, you are expecting. When you believe, there's a knowing that comes in you. But I like it when God said to him, tell the people, simply just expect. When you come up to the altar, just don't get all hung up and get all confused with all the terminology. Just say, Lord, I expect. I expect when hands are laid on me, I'm going to be better. Father, when I release my faith for this job, I just expect. I expect it's going to happen. Because if you expect, Reverend Taylor, if you truly expect, there won't be a pause. You'll quickly answer. When the devil says, you're never going to get that job, you quickly, because you're expecting, you quickly say, no, that's not true. I bind you in Jesus' name. I'll have that job and I'll have even a better job than I think. You see, you're answering quickly because why? You just simply expect that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So there's some help tonight. Angels have been released in your life and in mine to shut the mouths of lions. Do you remember? I, I don't. Angels have been released. What's the number two? If you don't forgive, you'll keep a thread. What's number three? Answer quickly. Skillfulness of faith means there's no thought to be given to the answer to that question, O king. Try it. God can and he will. Don't try it. I'm not bowing. I love it. What a, what, mm, that's nothing but victory. Praise God. I heard the Holy Ghost just prompt me as I was talking. And so I'm going to find it because I'm not exactly sure where it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> I knew it was there, Jennifer. <laughs> Hebrews 11 is all about faith, the heroes of faith. And now we've got a New Testament proof. See, I didn't even think about that. I just heard the Holy Ghost prompt me. Give him a New Testament verse. There is no New Testament verse. Oh, yes, there is. Look at it in Hebrews 11. It's there. He didn't tell me the verse, but I found it. Now we have New Testament verse to prove, Daniel 6, 30, 23. It says he believed God. He believed in his God. And even though it, it says it if you take the comma. But for anybody that might doubt, well, I'm not sure if that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego really had faith. Now have a look here. Hebrews eleven thirty three. 33. Yes, <laughs> Actually, look at verse 32 because it talks about Gideon and, Gideon and Barak. Remember Barak? And what more shall I say for time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak. That means Barak had faith. Remember the story with Sisera? And of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and the prophets. Watch now. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Through faith. He believed in his God and angels were dispatched. Watch now. Quenched the violence of fire. Oh my God. <laughs> Who do you think it's talking about? Yeah. The three Hebrew children were the ones that quenched the violence of fire because the fire had no power over them. They're listed in the faith chapter. Why? Because it took faith to quench the violence of fire. 
believe, Reverend Taylor, this is one of the greatest statements that has ever been written in the Bible, what these three Hebrew children said. And isn't it just like the devil to try to take one of the greatest statements and totally twist it and pervert it to make people think it's of doubt instead of what it really is? Because it's an amazing statement. If you try it, God can and he will. And if you don't, I'm not following. That is so aggressively faith-filled. And it's that statement that most preachers, 99% of preachers will say, oh, they didn't really have faith. They said, God, if God can, he will, but we're not really sure. But even if he doesn't, we'll die. You know, we're not going to bow. It's not what he said. But we see in the faith chapter that through faith, they quench the violence of fire. My God. Hallelujah. Don't you love the Holy Ghost? He just wanted to give you an extra verse. I didn't even know it was there. I just heard him say, quench the violence of fire, son. It's in the New Testament. Look it up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, thank you for your help. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for delivering them. Lord, whatever situations they're going through, like what I've been going through, it's important they answer quickly and they answer in faith. It's important they walk in forgiveness and they bless those that have tried to hurt them. And it's important that they have a fresh, holy revelation from God Almighty himself burning in their breast about the power and the angelic help of the hosts of heaven that are working on their behalf. Angels have been dispatched to stop the outcome of this attack, the intended outcome of this attack. Lord, I declare over every person in this room, because they took the time and the effort to come, that whatever attacks are arrayed against them in their lives, whatever people are being used of the enemy, whatever situations they are facing, Lord, I pray that you would impart to them something special tonight, that a divine knowing would come into them, that angels have been dispatched, that angels are mighty and excellent strength, doing the commandments of the Lord, hearkening to the voice of his word. Lord, if we put your word in our mouth and we answer quickly, those angels will move like mighty heroes on our behalf and intervene in circumstances and remove obstacles and take care of problems and hold back darkness. And we will be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. In Jesus' mighty name. And we will walk in love. And we will be people of forgiveness. And we will be people with a spirit of faith. And we will answer quickly. And we will never bow our knee. We will never bow our knee. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name.